Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, we thank you for allowing us into your presence this evening. Father, tonight I would like to review three of the churches of Revelation, the first three churches again. And Lord, I'd like to do this because I would like to show how they are done in the way of the seven spirits. These are done in the way of the first three spirits. And I would like to show this because it's very important that we understand that we are responsible for all seven churches. We are not this church or that church. We are um, a piece of all these seven churches, each one of them is a promise if we will do the way of the words according to the spirit of that church and you give a reward for that. And I would like to tonight discuss the first three. But tonight, dear Lord, I'd also like to remind the people of what we talked about last night, which we were talking about in Zephaniah 3 where the Lord is king, but also in Zephaniah 1, we talked about what you're going to do in this time. And these tie directly to the first three churches. And I like to explain that a little bit as we go tonight. I will try not to be too long, but I believe that it's very important for us to understand this. I would like to draw our attention to Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7. It said, Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and he has invited his guests. The Lord has provided a sacrifice. Please understand that the Lord tells us in Luke 14, 15 to 24, and it's confirmed again in Revelation 19, 1 to 10, that the Lord has prepared a great supper. And that great supper is food of the kingdom. Those who eat bread in the kingdom of God, God has prepared his meal. And that is the words of God that we will go forth and do if we will receive, if we will, if we will return to him and receive his words and increase in the knowledge of truth. He told us in Daniel 12, 4, when the words are open at the time of the end, knowledge will increase. You're either going to increase in knowledge or increase in the knowledge of the punishment of God for not increasing in knowledge. But of those who increase in knowledge will be found in the rapture because he said he's prepared the sacrifice here in Zephaniah 1, 7 and in Psalms 50, verse 4. He says at the rapture event, he's going to send his angels to gather together those who have made a sacrifice for him. And this is what he's talking about. We set ourselves apart from the world not to do things in the way of the world that we do every day of our lives and we are doing in this day. He wants us to set ourselves apart in the way of his kingdom. We were to pray every day that the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He instructed us to do that. We should believe what we pray and we should know what we're asking for. It says in verse 8, Zephaniah 1, it says, It shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. Remember that back in the days when he told them to, to go out in the days of Joshua and told them to go take his village. And, uh, these people were not supposed to bring anything back with them that were apparels of the people, uh, clothing of the people they overcome. But they, one guy took a priestly, uh, a kingly type robe of purple because the material was very expensive and he took it and hid it in his tent. And, and then it was great curse that came upon him. We are not to take the clothing of the world at this time. We are to increase in the knowledge of God, which he's telling us to put on the humble garment of white the garment of knowledge, the garment of simple knowledge. 
not these royal flamboyant gar gar garments. And today, the actresses and so forth are almost wearing fishnet, um, which is really a mockery to the net of God. In other words, the meaning of the net of God, which is the compass and enclosed the words of God. But in this is promoting sexual immorality, which is what they're doing with wearing such clothes. And they're, they're just, they're immoral. The women are immoral. The men that do it the same in, in such ways are also immoral. So it's, it's a very bad time for that. But we are to seek at this time the garment of white, which is the knowledge of God, which we must increase in the knowledge of truth because we are required in John 17, 17, to be set apart by his words, which is the truth. John 17, 17. Hosea 4, 6 warns us that at this time, if we have not increased in the knowledge of truth, he will reject us as priests before him and forget our children. That means we'll be separated out, just like he says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, that the people, they may have been prophets, they may have been healers, they may have uh, cast out demons. But he says you're going to depart from them, in other words, depart from him, because they're workers of lawlessness. Because the law is that we do what it says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 9, Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21, as is confirmed in Psalm 78, 1 to 8. It was made a law of the parents. It's a law of mothers and fathers. It's a law of basically everybody at this time, because we're all to increase in knowledge. So he's telling us this. He says, and I went through last night about the fish gate and the second gate, which is the spirit, and how he's going to get rid of the merchant people. And he says, uh, people are in this day very complacently waiting. And, you know, it, it's coming very quickly. The Lord tells us in verse 15, 791, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Please understand, the Lord tells us over and over again throughout the scriptures that the plague that's coming at this time upon the people, is going to eat their flesh. They're going to be like Job. They, they, they stunk and, and so forth. And Job uh, said, you know, would take a, uh, uh, like a scraper and uh, he would scrape his skin because it just pus was pouring out everywhere. And he sat on a manure pile and his wife told him, you know, curse God and die. But, you know, he, was, he told us also that his limbs ached, terrible, hurt, terrible, because the limbs are going to wither from this plague. It's not just going to be all over your body. The, even the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, the Lord says they're going to lay on the ground and squirm and breathe, uh, just in terrible pain. People will lay in their beds and shout out, and rats will crawl on them because of it. I mean, it's going to be terrible. People have seen visions of all this. It's a horrible thing. Okay. I just wanted to go over that because it's very important we understand. There's no gold. It's like people today are chasing Obamacare and Trump has promised you another medicine. It's the government itself who's killing you. It's the government itself who brought the cancer. It's the government itself that's brought diabetes. It's the government itself who has brought all these diseases and, and increasing Alzheimer's and causing the people to be uh, slow of mind and slow of breath and all these things. It's all down to the government's intentional plan to destroy the nutritional value of the food and the health of the people so they can accomplish their goal, which is a destruction of more than 99% of all the people on earth. The Lord warns us of this in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, Mark 13, 19 to 20, and I've told you from firsthand account. People don't want to believe. Many people have told you this is coming. But we need to wake up and understand it's truly true. It's coming. And I want to, one last thing, verse 9, he says, In that same day I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, which I explained yesterday, 
should have the words of God in it, which is the law, Deuteronomy 6, 4, 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. If you want to increase your life, don't follow after the leaders of the world, but teach his words in your house every night to your children, and you will add years to their life. And if you add years to their life, it will cover a multitude of your sins, and it will increase your life. It's the way God works. He promises it by law. But we don't want to hear the truth. We want to go after the world. Now, let's go to the first three um, churches of the book of Revelation in uh, uh, Revelation 2. The first one is the church of Ephesus. And it's very interesting to me that he starts off about the way of the, with Ephesus, it's on, basically on a coastal town. And so is Smyrna, the second church. It's very close to the coast. And then the, the Pergamon, which is the third church, is the northernmost church, and then it starts going southward. So it, it's please understand that the Lord is guiding us to the truth. But in these first three churches, he's really showing us what is guiding us away from him. And he describes it to us. And we are to pay attention to all three of these churches. All seven of them. We are not a church that says, okay, we're just Philadelphia church. We're the good church. No, you don't understand what the Lord is trying to say. The Lord is telling you what he's doing here in the ways of the spirits of God. That's why he said the seven candlesticks, the seven churches, and so forth. He's talking about the way of the seven spirits in the way of a building a church. And the church that he talks about is the called out assembly that is the kingdom within us. God is not interested in church buildings. He will build his temple. But the Lord is interested in doing what? It's a good thing to have a place to go worship. Do not get me wrong. But our problem is we don't even pay attention to the fact that we put steeples on our churches, which is a satanic ritual. It's not of God. That is not the way we're supposed to do it. There's no place, and the scriptures are pointing to this. And you look at the Catholic churches putting gargoyles and stuff on the rain pipes and so forth, that even the rainwater is cursed. It goes down to the ground from the roof of their building. So they're cursing the earth with the rainwater that comes down on the church. It's a pagan thing that they're doing. In Revelation 2, verse 1 to 7, it says, The angel of the church of Ephesus and that means the desirable. God desires. These are people who should have a desire to follow God. They're the first church. It means you have to desire to come out from the world. And that's what he's really asking about in this. It says, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have your first love. If you, you have left your first love, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of, Nic of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the, Lord, the Spirit says to the uh, churches, but that Greek is really the called out assemblies, is called out people. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Remember, we're supposed to overcome. We have to receive the way of the seven spirits. We have to straighten ourselves out. We will not have a right to speak the words of God, even if we know the words, if we've heard of the words, and set ourselves apart from the world by his words, which is what he says in John 17, 17. That's the first word. If we don't walk in the way of the Lord, it's good that you hate the Nicolaitans, and I'm going to wait till the third church to explain who they are. But 
Uh, we've talked about it before, but I, I want to give a very good clarity to this so we can truly understand it. I pray we'll understand it. But the good thing is the Lord is saying that if we will turn and repent, if we will stop chasing our own ambition. See, that in Nicolaitans, we hate the way of the Nicolaitans. But the Lord has told us here we've fallen. In other words, you have his namesake, which is his namesake. People are, you know, it's like the people in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. They say, oh, in your name we did this. And in your name we prophesied. In your name we cast out demons. We healed people. In your name. But they don't know his name. The name is the word of God. But the Lord is saying here that you've labored for my namesake and have not become weary. These are people who also include those who have the words, have heard of the words, but they're not doing the way of righteousness. And they're not walking with the Lord. So they are falling. And he says, yes, you hate the world. You hate the leaders of the world. The Nicolaitans, you'll see this in a moment. You hate the, what they're doing. You hate the ones that, you know, want to be arrogant and so on. and Want to control the world and, and not allow the kingdom of God to come forth. But see, you can't overcome the world. You can't overcome the world unless you have the words of God. If you lose the words of God because you're not righteous and not doing everything in the way of righteousness, then what, what will you be but shamed? You'll be made ashamed because you'll be set apart to be punished with the wicked. That's what he's saying. He says, you know, he's going to remove the lampstand, remove the right of them to have the words and the right for them to call upon his seven spirits. They will know of the words, but they won't have any authority to enable the good works of God. That's a real danger. So don't get the words and just go about it, you know, using it for thy, thy own ambitions, thy own goals. That's the way of the first church. Now let's go on. I do want to repeat this verse, John 14, 23 to 24. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, plural. See, his word is summarizing all his word, everything that he says and does in the way of the Spirit. And in his words, as I've told you, there's 153 set-apart words, and there's different ways to do them, to enable them in the different ways, the directions and so forth. I've explained all that uh, in many writings and audios. But here you see the word and the words. So you, you would understand if the whole the Bible is the holy word of God and he's talking about words, then the words are within that Bible. And, and you have to understand this uh, in that way. So people aren't catching that there's words that he spoke and made all creation. He testifies everything about his word. He says we have to be set apart by God's truth, which is the word of God. And he tells the people in John 8, 43 to 47, you don't understand my speech because you cannot discern my words. This is the problem we're having. And the word which you, you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me, Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19. I just want to point that out. That's very important that we understand that the words are real and they're set apart words and they're in the Bible. Anybody can get them. They're not the Edenic's language or anything like that. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You can translate the Bible in any language, and the words will be made known to you as he promises in John, I mean in Proverbs 1, 23. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. It says, if you'll turn to me, I will pour out my spirit upon you and cause you to know my words. So it doesn't matter what language you speak. It's for everybody in the world. Okay, the second church is Smyrna, which means myrrh. And this is very important. You put the myrrh on the bottom of your feet so you're guided to work and walk in the ways of the words of wisdom. If you read Deuteronomy 6.4.9 and Deuteronomy 11.18-21, the Lord is telling us in everything we do and as we go about our works during the day, the words are to be as frontlets to our eyes. But it, in the myrrh, you usually put on the bottom of your feet. And you, you, you're supposed to, as he says in the seventh church, he tells you there to... Um, Put eye salve on your eyes that you might see, because we're blind. We've not seen. Even at the end of the seventh, we're not looking back and remembering the works of this, this first six churches. We can't do it. We can't discern them out. And I've heard preachers say, oh, we're the Philadelphia church, or we're this church. No, you're not. You're the, 
Each one of these churches is the way of the seven spirits, and you must walk in the way of all seven spirits. So you must understand what's wrong and what's good about these. The first one is setting apart. The Spirit of the Lord sets apart from the world by his words. And then the second one, you gain knowledge of the words of wisdom. You understand that there are promises that they unlock. And then you come to the third one, which is the understanding of God. The spirit of understanding means how to bear fruit. Once you got what the promises are, now you go about how to enable us to do it. Like I told you, you speak the way of the words and the way of the plan of God. That's why you always try to understand what God is going to do and what he wants done. And then you can do the way of the words in that regard. And you understand it because you understand the judgment. You understand all these things. Once you understand the scriptures, you have understanding of how to do the way the words and produce fruit. Words of wisdom, you're understanding the promises that there are good works of God that these words un unlock. And this is Smyrna, the myrrh. So you start walking. It says to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. How did he come to life? By the word of God. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich because you have the words of wisdom. It says, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. John 8, 43 to 47, the Lord tells them their father's the devil because they will not discern his words. So he's telling you these people, even the people of the world who believe they're going to be grafted in, but they will not hear the words of God. They have no right to the words of wisdom. As he says in John 14, 15 to 17, the spirit of truth cannot enter them because they have not set themselves apart from the world. And he tells them in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4 through Paul, that they have no right to utter his words. So they will not be able to to even if they have the knowledge of the word, they will not be able to understand by wisdom what to do, nor will they have the right to call upon his words and do them. He's going to take that away from them. He says, when the light leaves the world, John 9, 4, 5, there will be no work. God is going to cause the people to see what results when the words of God isn't here restraining the evil one. He's going to allow these people to do their evil but it's, it's going to be, you know, for a short time. And then the plagues are going to come upon them because he's going to do this. And I'll explain that in a second. <clears throat> and he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews but, and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The, the Lord was in John 8, 43 to 47, was talking about the house of Israel. And he's talking about all those who will not hear him. They're not of the Jews, not of his kingdom. They are going to be of the world. They are of the world, and they're going to be of the world. They're going to be cast out from Israel. They're going to be cast out from everywhere. I've explained last night about the, the people of Israel. They need to understand they must repent and come into truth. He says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. You notice how he says the devil? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Verse here. Verse 10, it says, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. I've told you that there's going to be a harsh time because it was like it was in the time of Egypt. When you hear of the words and it's the time to come out, I expect them to give you a hard time quickly. But God is saying, don't worry about that in your suffering. Because what he did with Egypt is, you know, as, as things went on, then all the punishments came upon the Egyptians and not his people. And that's what's going to happen at this time. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Please understand. There, maybe some will die. But understand that what the Lord is talking about, there's two deaths, two deaths, two times of death in the uh, day of the Lord. We see it, and you see it in the fourth seal judgment, the counsel of the Lord. That's the time of death. And you see that there's death that's going to be all darkness in the time of the Antichrist, the last 42 months of the day of the Lord. So in this time of the morning, there is a time of death. That's the time when the plagues, this plague of Tessaret, is on the people. It's the plagues that he's talking about in Zechariah 14.12. It's a plague that he's talking about in, in I believe, in Revelation 8, 1-4, whatever it is where he says there's going to be silence in heaven. 
Well, there is silence from heaven in those in the pit, those in the prisons of God. So he's talking about a plague that's coming upon the earth, and that is a famine of the word. And the plague is going to be on their bodies so that their bodies are like the flesh is just, you know, it's all like red and pus and everything else. It is an example of what it is like in the prison of the abyss. Guiana, the lake of fire where the body is continuously, the skin and flesh is all torn up and so forth. It's a horrible thing. And the diseases come on them. And every three days the fish uh, swallow them up and then uh, the bees swallow them up and then spit them out on the third day. And they start as a maggot and they grow into a worm and, and then it's eaten again and the plagues come upon them. It's just horrible. It's over and over and over again. And that is what the Lord is talking about here. He's saying that death, that plague that's coming on the earth to the wicked ones when he, when he, when he overcomes them and sets them apart, he's going to draw, cause these plagues to come on the people. Remember that there's two parts of Revelation 18.4. He says they're going to share in the sins and of the plagues. The sins are this evil when the famine of the word comes and the people do what they want to do. That's the tribulation part. And then the next thing is the plagues, and that comes from God. Now, don't worry about plagues from those people. God says it's going to be like the time of Egypt, only they won't even remember the time of Egypt because these plagues are like nothing the world has ever seen. It's going to be so horrible. Um, the plagues of Egypt weren't even touching these plagues. Jeremiah 16, 16 to 18, 15 to 18. So he said, that's the first death we have. And then there's going to be another time like this in the time of the um, Antichrist time. And at the end of that, they all die. Remember, he cast them all out at the end of that time. But they're also going to get plagues and stuff at that time. But that's death. The word of God is going to be, darkness is going to be on the earth. And they're going to kill the people that won't take the mark. And all this kind of stuff is coming on them. But that's the kind of death that he's talking about. And those people at the end of the... Um, there's 42 months. They're going to be cast out into the abyss, which is the second death. And then also you, you have this, they're, they're going to be cast out. Those people are going to go cast out into what I believe is the first place called death. And then the second one, there's a prison of God called death. Um, and it's in the, uh, right along the pit as you get into the abyss. And then there's another one further down, which is called the second death, which is also called the Lake of Guiana and the Lake of Fire. Guiana and also the Lake of Fire. That is the second death. So don't get confused. There's two different things when he talks about death. There's a timing in the morning of the day of the Lord when the plagues come on people. And then there's plagues that come on them at, during the time of the Antichrist that he's going to be throwing plagues down on them. And they, they get mad and angry with each other. You can read about it in the Bold Judgments. But then they're cast out into the prisons of God. And the people that are left at the end of the um, end of the uh, bold judgments, they are cast into the prison called the first death. And then it tells you in Revelation 20, I think it's verse 13, that he's going to bring them back at the, at the great white throne judgment. They will come back from death, they'll come back from Sheol, and then they'll come back from hell, Hades. So all those three prisons, they'll come back to the great white throne judgment, be judged and cast out for eternity because the place called the, the deep is going to be emptied and that'll be a big expanse that they can never cross back over into the place called the waters, which is a firmament in the midst of the waters underneath God's heaven. That is what that second one is all about. It's the words of wisdom. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Shall not be hurt by the second death. Please understand it. The Lord is telling you, be faithful unto death. What is faithful? Faithful means hearing the words and doing them. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the words of God. So he's telling you to get the words of God until that what he's saying is stay by the words of God until that death comes, which is that plague, because he will separate the people at that time. When the, when the plagues come, that's at the separation judgment. And those people are set apart and receive those plagues because they'll be stinking. They will not be allowed to be where his people are. And I believe that's going to come, I hope so, by the time of the ending of the Feast of Tabernacles uh, this year. 
so that God will set them apart at that time and they'll be in, in the punishment. It appears like that's the, what the Lord is pointing to. Okay, let's go to the third church, which is kind of important here. Uh, this is the church in Pergamos. Now, please understand uh, it means height or elevation. But the what the key part about this is that the Lord is telling us that this uh, church has to do with something very important for us. And that is that it's, it's to do with the um, uh, understanding of the truth and the understand people without understanding. The people without understanding are going to be afflicted greatly by the works of the um, the works of the people of the world, the leaders of the world. I'm trying to bring something up here real quickly. I want to look at it real fast here. They had a meaning, um, Pergamum meaning. That, there's a lot of different meanings of Pergamum. They say height, elevation, uh, but they also say that it's it's this. They say that it's a um, citadel, meaning high, but also they call it the first class courage. And it's very interesting um, that it's it's the way you can see what, what I'm trying to point out. It's a way of this church to be two different types of people. He's talking about those of evil. They are the ones that are high and elevated because his people are to be humble. If you're arrogant and trying to have a position and so forth, um, then you're not going to be of the kingdom of God. You're going to be cast out with the others. As God says in Malachi, I mean, yeah, Micah 6, 8, we are required to walk humbly before him and do good, do good works for others. And Pergamon also means that they are those that, you know, are of the Lord. In other words, they're raised up by God. If they will um, do what the, what the Lord says in this, they will be raised up uh, by the Lord in this great time. Now, I want to um, make it clear. It's, it's a first-class courage. You have courage when you have faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. If you understand the works of God, you're going to have courage because you don't fear the world. That's what the Lord is saying. So let's, let's go on and study this. He says, uh, and understand also that Pergamum is the northernmost church. And I don't think that's by accident because he's telling us to come out of the world. And the world, the, it tells you in Job 26.7, that the walls of the firmament are called the north. And that the heavens and so forth are in there. And it's that the Lord is going to clean out. The work of the firmament is to decide who goes up and who goes down. It separates the waters. And it makes known the waters from above and the waters below. We are of the waters. And so it's going to separate the words of God that are in the front and are going to separate those that go up and those that go down. Because he said in this time in John 12, 48, we're going to be judged by his words. Okay. It says, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Two-edged sword, meaning he can separate those of the kingdoms, as he said in Zephaniah 3, 8 where he's going to separate them into the kingdoms of light or darkness, into his two kingdoms. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. This is important. Pergamon, the northern part, the northernmost, which is the world, that's where Satan dwells. It says, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas. What, uh, even in the days in which Antipas Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. This name means one who was for all, against all, like a child of God. Nobody knows who Antipas is. But um, if this is God speaking or the Lord speaking, it's interesting who it is. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's a person. It's a child of God. Is this the Lord himself he's speaking of? Because he wasn't killed in Pergamum. And maybe he was. I mean, maybe it's talking about somebody that was there. Um, well, he, do, he does say it's there, my faith, in the days in which you did not, not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So he's talking about Pergamum, clearly. I'm sorry. Um, okay. But the key thing here is my faith. 
deny my faith. In other words, my faith comes in the ways of the words of God. You are strengthened by the words. It's, it's by the words you overcome the world. By the words, God protects you and keeps you. Jesus walked straight through the crowd. And they couldn't do anything about it. Even though they had stones and wanted to kill him. Even in his hometown, they wanted to kill him. He just walked right between them. But I have a few things against you because you have those there. You have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat sacrificed, eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, let me, it's going to go on and talk about the doctrine of Nicolaitans. Well, let's talk about this Balaam thing. This is very, very important. We are a nation of idolaters. We are a nation that eats all its food, all of its food, all of its food, all of its food. I can't say this enough. All of its food in America and in all the world, even in Israel, we eat the food that's sacrificed to idols, to Balaam. He's telling us this. Please understand, in Jerusalem, for example, in the city of Jerusalem, you have the Supreme Court building with an obelisk in its garden. What do you think that's representing? It's representing a curse on all the food in that nation. It's just worse. If you go to England, if you go, where it has you know the dragons looking over the, the, the markets and so forth, and they, they have, well, there's a lot more we'll talk about in a second, but there's so much of this and in America. If you go to Chicago, to the Mercantile uh, Trade Exchange, you have the goddess Cyrus, Cyrus up on top of the exchange building. In Missouri, in the heart of the farm country, you have the same. You have this goddess on top of the building. In Arizona, the same. And you have this thing in, you have this thing in Washington, D.C. You got the Masonic Lodge there. You have the, on top of the Capitol building this thing called the Victory statue that is so horrible that uh, the victory statue is a Nicolaitan statue by the way and I'll explain that in a second but this is what we've done is we've cursed all of our nation's food we have said to God that in this nation we've allowed this to stand that our food of all of our merchants you know mercantile trade exchanges talking about all the corn all the wheat everything that we have is all cursed it all is sacrificed to idols. That is a sacrifice to idols because it's your words by which all the works are done. And the words by which we allow these things to stand curse us. And that is what's happening in this. And even in our churches, we put these steeples, which is a pagan form of the, of the phallus symbol. And we allow that to stand. And it's, it's a revolting stand. And then you got the Catholic churches with the with many of them with gargoyles and stuff on it. We have these things all over our country, and now we even have them doing the meat, like the McDonald's and so forth and so forth. They do the halal prayers over those. And people do prayers to the New Age goddesses to, to send out food and supplies and even herbs and so forth. That's not of God. That is a curse upon everything that we have in our nation. So this is the doctrine of Balaam. And it's, God is saying, this is the, the church of understanding. And that's why I'm saying these apply to all of us. And it's standing in our nation and we won't want to believe it. It says, but I have a few things against you because you have there. And he's talking about all the people in the world. You have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. To eat things sacrificed to idols. To commit sexual immorality. When we've done these idols and all these things like the obelisk and all of the capitals like Paris and London and New York and Washington, D.C. I mean, it's a horrible thing. This allows the right for the devil to establish sexual immorality and look at our nation. They're, they're doing away with the, the I mean, they've forced people to receive the gay and homosexual agenda. And they're forcing the military to do it. And they're trying to get rid of all Christianity. This is what is allowing this to do. And God is allowing it because we have allowed it. We will not take responsibility for it. And our currencies are pagan currencies. We have the, the little wise owl and so forth on the currencies. And, and hidden in there and so forth with the 
and most of them have the pyramid, which is the Masonic order that they celebrate. In, uh, you have to understand, the top of the Masonic order is worshiping the devil. Uh, the 33 nations from 30 to 33, they worship the devil openly. And the people do not understand this. They do not accept it. Oh, it's a good thing. It's, yeah, it's a lie. And you're being led up a ladder. Up As the higher you go, the more you get closer to the devil. And that's what it does. There's nothing good about a Masonic order at all. Don't believe it. Don't, war, don't follow it. Following the devil. And what you're doing, the devil is a liar. And he's building a foundation of getting you to believe one thing that you're doing good. Just like the war I explained last night. They, they, they were trying to get you to believe this is a religious war. And it's all being done because this is for God. No, it's not. It's to bring in a false messiah. It's to bring in a one world order and their one world religion that they're going to force on everybody that they allow to live. That's what it's all about. Now, it goes on and it says the next one in verse 15. It says, thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, and he says, which I, which thing I hate. Understand the doctrine. He hates that thing, the doctrine of it. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In other words, he's going to take away his words and he's going to kill them with his sword. He's going to fight against them and going to destroy everything they have. He says he's going to reduce all their idols to powder. And people will say, although, good, the Lord's going to come do that. But not if you don't ask for it. If you don't ask for it, you're guilty of the idolatry. If you don't understand that we must overcome these things, that in your heart the spirit of truth goes out. And Hebrews 4.12, when he's, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, that means he's going to send the spirit of truth to shake. Otherwise, he's going to find out what's in your heart. The intent of your heart, you're going to be judged by. Your name is already in the book for judgment because we've allowed all these things and the abortions that we've allowed and everything else. We're all judged. and We're all caught in a snare. We have to come out. We have to be set apart by his words of truth. And the church thinks it's so good and it's not blind and so on. Now, Nicolaitans is important. If you go to Abram, Abram Publishings, Publications, they have some excellent uh, review of the etymology of the names and so forth. And there it says, uh, the Nicolaitans, they say that the name Nicholas means victor over the people. And Nicolaitans then would be something like those belonging to the victor over the people. That is exactly, exactly what the world system is. The queen owns, and people don't even understand, she owns all the seas and all the lands that are tied to it are ships that pay her taxes, pay her for having the right to dock at her ports because she owns the seas and the rivers that go to the sea, which all the nations are considered ships docked to her river. And so they're, they're in port everywhere. And what that is is she owns them. It's They are considered territories. And they, on a ship, are under military law, admiralty law. And so it's a merchant contract law that the military supports. That is victor over the people. And if you want to just go look and see the arrogance, I've told you that the queen is a present-day Holy Roman Empress. She run, runs the Vatican. She is the one that tells the Pope what to do. Her, her people tell the Pope what to do. She don't do it in a day. It's like the United States. The president has three different attorney generals working for the Crown Trust, That not in America attorney generals, but attorney generals for the Crown Trust, that direct what the president's going to do. They have handlers that give him everything he's going to do. You think he writes those documents? You think the Senate and Congress write documents? They don't even read them. They're, they're not allowed to read them and talk about them, or they'll be executed. These people uh, control the world very strongly. Now, please understand that what this name is reflecting is it's an appreciation of the human government. In other words, they are saying they write. Now you talk about, I've said last night about the queen, I've explained this from personal knowledge, that she's running the world and that the people have to get her permission. The Rothschilds and so forth come and they approve the budgets of the 22 cabinets of America and the 21 secret companies, or there's 22 now, I believe. But what, what it is is that the queen is allowing this. Now, you just look at her everyday life and you can see this. They put on this thing about, oh, we're not involved in government and everything else, but they better do what they say. You can tell it when she comes to the to the parliament every year and, you know, they do the thing with the 
the guy with the, the, the uh, scepter and all that stuff to say that come the queen wants your attendance and so they come into the thing well also they you know you look at a couple different things from the uh, time of 1727 onward they created this music called Zadok the priest and you'll see that the queen is always trying to claim that her line lineage goes back to Solomon they keep producing these documents it doesn't matter what they say. They're not of God. They're of the devil because God has said to them, like we just read in Zephaniah 1, no, they're not, you know, and I mean, in the first church, they say they're Jews and they're not because they're of the devil. They're in the house of Satan. If you want to look at the crown trust, go look at the city of London, which is their sovereign nation, and look at the, the crest. It is two dragons holding up their shield with a helmet on it. And God said, don't do this. And the dragon, the words of the dragon, you know, is is uh, the power. And the, you see the, the the same thing with the dragon. Two dragons is symbolic of God the Father and the Spirit. Uh, that is the words of wisdom, the Spirit of wisdom. So it's the dragon and his words that is the power, and that's what you see in Revelation 12. It's the flood of the words that come out of the mouth of the dragon. So it's symbolic of those two dragons holding up the, the shield. Uh, which is the strength of, of the crown. And they have got this over all the people. So this has become a, a national anthem, an English anthem that they sing all the time because it says, you know, they go through this music written by Handel and so on. It says, Zadok the prince, the priest, and Nathan the prophet anointed Solomon the king. And all the people rejoiced and said, God saved the king, long live the king, may the king live forever. Amen, hallelujah. Now, please understand what they're saying by doing this. They're trying to claim that their right to hold the throne is of David. See, again, this is tying to the religious war that they're carrying out on the world to deceive the people. They are claiming that they are of this and they're not. And what God is, what it, you know, they've taken this. The queen wasn't even of England. Uh, they come from the Danish side. So you see that the, the people, the German-Danish side. So... Um, what you're seeing here is they're saying God saved the king because, oh, we go back to Zadok the priest, which was a good priest. Understand that this was, he was righteous. The name uh, Zadok means righteous. And he was a priest. And uh, he was descended from Eleazar, the son of Aaron. And he aided King David during the revolt of his son Absalom, was subsequently instrumental in bringing King Solomon to the throne. And after uh, Solomon built the first temple of Jerusalem. Zadok was the first high priest to serve there. So she's basically claiming, I mean, I'm telling you, they're claiming the priesthood. They've taken over the Vatican's authority, and they have it. The Vatican is used as a puppet to the world. I witnessed this in the things. I even had was in places where people representing the Vatican have to come through others to negotiate with the Crown Trust. So to get resources, and they're getting an allocation of how much money they can make by laundering every year. Remember, the Knights of Templar are in charge of all the mobs all over the world, and the casinos and the Japanese mobs, all of them, they're all report through the Knights of Templar. And so you see these Knights of Templar and this, this organization, and this is like this. What we're talking about is victor over the people. And you see the queen. She's always writing her name, Elizabeth R2. You know, ER2 is how she signs. Elizabeth Regina II. And what it means is she is uh, by birth born to this. They're claiming victor over the people, that she has the right to be the ruler of the world. That is what they're doing in this. And God is saying he hates these people. Now, also, it goes back and she gives credit how great she considers um the uh, King Edward III was, and he was the one that brought forth the Order of the Garter and the Order of the Thistle. The Order of the Garter has its motto, um, and let me see if I can see it here in my notes. I'm going to, uh, I can't even say it. It's it's Latin. Honey, soit qui mal pence. Shame on him who thinks this evil. Now, please understand, they, this is an order that worships the dragon. So consider this evil. In other words, they're going to kill anybody 
that any Christian in their in time, this is their goal, is to wipe out Christianity, bring their own religion in. This is what King Edward III did. You'll, you'll see, and I've written a lot about that in a um, book called The Summer Fruit Fig Harvest or something like that, and it's on the website. And it goes into detail and shows pictures of the Order of the Garter and all of this and the things they have over there. And King Edward III goes into the history of that with the, with the queen. Uh, with the, in the order, I mean, the queen is the head of this. <clears throat> it's an order of the devil, I'm telling you. And they even say, if you look at um, Queen Victoria's statue out there, and her statue says uh, it's, a, it's a Roman title on it. She's imperate, imperatrix uh, in Roman, <clears throat> in Latin. Okay, now she also is the head of the, uh, the order of the thistle, which means no one provokes me with impunity. In other words, they will get even. That is not of God in any way. None of those words, those orders, and every one of these orders, they, they do the following. Every knight is required to display a banner of his arms in the chapel, uh, St. George Chapel for the Art of the Garter. And then um, the other one's up in um, uh, the other orders up north in Scotland. I can't remember the church that that was at right now, but you can look it up, Order of the Thistle. It's horrible. These things are bad. The, the Order of the, the Garter, it says, Every knight is required to display a banner of his arms in the chapel together with a helmet, a crest, and a sword, and an enabled stall plate for their booth. And these, what they're doing, as I've explained in the book of the, the summer pig harvest, what, what they're doing is they are cursing the people of the world and depending, I mean, they're using their crests and all this to overcome the people's rights. That's what they're doing. They're, they're basically by admiralty law strength, they are overcoming the rights of the people and claiming these things for themselves. As with, look at their banners and so forth. It's a horrible thing what they've got. Um, they also, you know, this thing started in 1327 with King Edward III, and in 1348 he implemented the Order of the Garter. And, you know, when he did this, they did this thing um, starting with a garter and a badge and depicting St. George and the dragon, which is an absolute lie. And they tied it to the Windsor Chapel. In other words, it's a religious order. And I've said this is a religious war. They're going to bring down Christianity and they're going to replace it with their own religion. But they don't want to tell people this, except that if you go to the uh, Georgia Guidestones, you can see their mottos. If you go to the um, the uh, Club of Rome dot org and look at their sustainable earth plan that the Crown Trust is responsible for. It says in there that they're going to bring one religion. They have to. The only way they can make a sustainable earth is to coordinate everything under one religion, which they're creating. They're going to remove the Bible. They're going to create and take away many of the books like the Psalms, the Book of Job, all these things that don't do them good. In other words, Book of Solomon and all that. They want to get rid of these things. They're going to rewrite it. And they're going to go with new scriptures that they're writing that they're going to say they they found in caves. They've already prepared these things and planted them, as I've explained to you. They even use the military to plant these things in Iran. And, and, and they're going to go to war with Iran and stuff like this. It's all set up. Even the leaders of Iran are in on this. Now, also, take note that they also play at all their uh, coronations, their, like Prince William's wedding and at the Queen's Silver Anniversary Parade and all that stuff. They played the song Jerusalem, uh, written by uh, from Milton by William Brake. These things, it tells you in there. And they even played it at the London Olympics. They had this thing played. It, it's a mockery. It's saying that Jesus never died on the cross is what it's implementing. Uh, inferring. And he didn't die on the cross, but he, he can't, they took him off the cross and he brought him to England. And then he went back and he died uh, fighting it at, in the AD 70. They overthrew him. The Roman Empire overthrew him there. So they're basically saying he's a fallen Christ. And Jerusalem is going to be brought to their shores. And Jerusalem means the foundation of peace. They're going to create a false peace. That's their plan. That's why you hear these songs that, the, that they're putting out every year with um, you know, especially two years ago when they did the thing where the Pope and all of them came over to, and they had the UN song about peace everywhere, everybody in peace, everybody's happy, uh, work for everybody, all this. It's all a lie. It's like go into the, 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 the Hitler 
uh, camps. It's just a work camp. It's not a death camp. No, everything that these people are doing is to do what the Lord says in Matthew 24, 21 to 22. They're going to kill everybody. So what the Lord is telling us in this third church is that the Nicolaitans are these that are victor over the people. They're the Masonic order. That's what it is. If you look at the Masonic order, it rises to a pyramid, and at the top is one person that rules the world. That's the queen. And then underneath her is, right there with her, is this, the Rothschild who controls the silver and gold of all the nations in the world, which is absolutely true. That's why he is the person in Daniel 11, 43 to 45, can't be anybody else, and I've witnessed it. And the fact that he comes to these meetings and approves the budgets and the works of all the secret companies and all the uh, cabinets of America can't do anything unless he approves it. So there you are. Now, it's telling us here he hates these people. He hates them. And he's removed now the authority. God has removed their authority. They do not have. She can write E-T-R, uh, e uh, E. Double T, or what is it, E2R, she can write that all she wants, but that is no longer valid. It's just like Zedekiah. He's, the Lord has told him, your time's up. You're going to be overthrown. Uzziah, time's up. You're going to be overthrown. It's coming to you. And this is what he's going to do. The plague is going to come to these people. God is saying, he's done with them. He said in Revelation, I mean, Daniel 7, 11 to, uh, 11 to 12, he's going to destroy them at this time. And he's taken away their dominion. It's already been removed. He did that from the time the words were open. We should have come out and anointed the Lord. But as of the morning, it's now official because we've wasted the evening. We've wasted the seven years of the evening and seven years of the night. And now we're in the morning. And for the people of the world, including us, until we come out, the night is continuing for us. In other words, we have not yet been sealed. We have not yet turned. And the light of God is not yet shining on us, although it's available. And he's telling the people it's available. It's here. The spirit is moving. But people are hearing prophetic word, but they're not listening and doing what he says. They don't understand the knowledge of truth to come out by. Now, he says, repent. Like he says in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, return to me. Repent. Return to me. Or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He's going to fight against these people of the world, but all of us who have not come out have not prayed and gathered together and prayed for this. Pray for Israel to turn, not to, to win a war, not to be uh, these kind of things, and not for our army to have victory, but for our army to be repented and come out from fighting. All the people of the world must turn from the fight, return to their nations. You know, the immigrants need to return to where they were drawn from because that is where their blessing is. People don't understand. God put them in these nations. He born them there. They're not to be where they're not supposed to be. And these immigrants are being pushed and pulled, and they all want to come because they're receiving money to come. And, they, you know, they, they bust them here. They've, they've given them money. They get money on debit cards and so on, all free. And they're, they're here to do evil work. But they're going to be destroyed. The, the Crown Trust is not going to allow any of these people to live. They want to use them as pawns for evil works. And the Bible tells them to go back from where they came because that is where God will bless them. And they need to return to those places. It says, uh, it says here that um, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the called out assemblies. He to him whoever comes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one except him receives it. If he gives you a new name, if he says, if you come out of this place of the world, he will give you a new name, which is like a, a Israel. When he got the name, he could no longer be destroyed by Esau because God, the, a name is a work that you're given to do. And so if God is going to give you a new work, you're not going to die. He's going to cause you to come through if you have faith and you'll live through this time. And the hidden manna is the words of God that the people can't eat. It's the words of God that they don't see because if they don't turn, the spirit of truth cannot guide them to receive of the words. But if they desire the words and turn to him, he will pour out his spirit upon them so they can see the words and understand them. Okay, that is the, the work of this. Uh, I pray that it will be helpful to understand this. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you to understand these issues of the, the way of these three spirits. The way of the first one, the spirit of the Lord means to come out of the world. 
Second one is the words of wisdom give you a foundation of the knowledge of God's works that he can be done. The third is the understanding of the way of doing these works. And he's telling you here, notice what he's telling you in the third one. He's saying, I will give you a white stone. You know, a white stone is uh, knowledge of God. It's, it's knowledge of the truth, not, you know, a, and what he's saying, a white stone is a white work, a work for the kingdom to do, not darkness. He's going to give you one white one. That's what he said. He's going to uh, be purified, made white, and be refined. Daniel 12, 9 to 10. And that's when his words are to them. When the words are open to them, and many will come out and hear the words, and then this is what will happen. They'll be purified, made white, and refined. And that's what he's telling you right here. It's the same kind of thing. It's the understanding that he's given to you if you will come out and hear it. Lord, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your plan. We ask you, Lord, to help this message. Dear Lord, correct what is error. And dear Lord, we pray that you'll cause anything, dear Lord, that the people want. Dear Lord, I pray they want that anything they ask of you that you will answer. We ask you, Lord, these things in thy precious and holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.